If you guys want to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be talking a little bit about spiritual gifts today. <clears throat> but not just spiritual gifts. We're going to try and look, take a look at this passage, uh, not so much looking at, at details and describing every spiritual gift, but we're going to try and take more of like a macro view, get a big picture of what this is all about and um, how it could apply to our lives here at Calvary Slow. <clears throat> so like Brian said, um, I, w- I came here, um, went to college at Cal Poly, uh, became a part of Calvary Slow. Um, I, uh, I, finished, I finished Cal Poly and I went off to, to Bible college and kind of, you know, lived in various places um, and came back here and did an internship here at the church and it led me down to Brazil. And so I moved down to the south of Brazil back in uh, January 2006, and I've been there ever since. Uh, I, I met a girl down there and got married, and we even have a little daughter. She's, uh, I think she's sleeping right now, but um, she, she'll be roaming around here. Little one-year-old. She just turned one on Tuesday, so really exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, um, we did some things in the south, connected with some of the churches down there. Um, and then about three years ago, we decided to move up to the northeast of Brazil. And if you guys know your geography, it's like South America kind of has a point that sticks out. It looks like it could almost fit into Africa. We were on the city that's on the easternmost point in the Americas. Uh, it's a city called João Pessoa. And uh, we lived up there for almost three years. And the Lord recently told us that it was time to, to come back down to the south. Um, we, I was kind of confused because I didn't know what we were going to do. And um, I, I kind of felt like, man, was this really from the Lord? Is this really right? And it, it turned out that one, the, one of the pastors in the South, uh, he's American, uh, and it just, he just found out that his dad was, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he has just a couple, a couple months to live. So he's actually going to take like a leave of absence, a kind of a sabbatical, come back to the States for a while, and it worked out perfectly that we could step in and, and take over the church for him. So it was really kind of cool to see the providence of the Lord working. Um, so we're going to be in, in the city called Curitiba, which is actually where my wife is from for probably the next, at least the next year, and we'll, we'll see after that. So that's, that's what we're doing. Um, I, I want to just also throw this out there. If you guys want to learn anything about Brazil or you're, you're curious about missions or church planning or anything like that, I'm just going to be like hanging out here after service. I, I, you know, I'll just be chilling. So you guys find me somewhere, and if you guys want to ask questions or if you guys want information about maybe even you're interested in maybe coming down to Brazil and visiting, Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you and give you some information. All right, so we're here in 1 Corinthians 12. It's talking all about spiritual gifts. Um, the interesting thing here in, in 1 Corinthians is that the church in Corinth, um, they had some issues with spiritual gifts. They, they kind of had this issue going on that they wanted to be really spiritual. And so there was kind of some abuse of some of the gifts going on. And that's one of the reasons why Paul writes this letter. He wants to kind of correct them in, in the things that they were doing and say, hey, guys, it's not right that everybody speaks in tongues at the same time. No one's going to understand. You guys need to do it in order. And you, you can't have everybody prophesying. You have one, two, maybe three people prophesying at a time, you know, and have order going on in the service. When here at Calvary Slow, we don't really have that problem that, you know, we have this disorder going on because you have a pastor that's very biblical and he, he follows the guidelines. Um, but perhaps we might have an issue that's kind of the opposite. Maybe we have an issue that we kind of treat church almost like it's a spectator sport, you know? Um, I, I was kind of relating it earlier in first service to like football. 
Uh, I love football. I don't know if you guys like football, but I, I am crazy about football. I told my wife when I first met her, I said, you know, I, I really, I love sports. I'm really, I really love football. And she was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I was like, no, but I, I really do. And she's like, oh, good, you know. But she had no idea, like, to what extent I love football. Um, I don't get to watch any of it in Brazil, unfortunately. It's kind of a bummer. Um, maybe if we get some faster internet, maybe we can <laughs> get some things on. But um, I love football. I love to watch it. I love to talk about it. I love to, you know, see the strategy. It's, it's such a deep game. But I don't love to play football, you know? It's, it's a brutal sport. I mean, those guys go out there and slam into each other, and they're monsters. Those guys are huge, you know? And so they, they hurt each other, and you have, see guys that get these gnarly injuries. And I played football a little bit in high school, and I just I got hurt all the time, you know? So I'm like, okay, watching football, fantastic. Playing football, no, that's not for me. Maybe two-hand touch, that's it, you know? Um, I'm not into that. I think that sports, sports are good, you know, because we can, spectator sport, we can sit and watch, but the church is not a spectator sport. And, and sometimes we get kind of that same idea, not just here at Calvary Slow, but I think all across America, that we come to church, you know, we, we have the worship, you know, really good music, especially here, really good music. And then we, we listen to a sermon and we sit there and say, oh, that was good. I like that point. But at this point, you know, I thought it was a little unclear. Maybe he could have done this better. We, we kind of think of ourselves as like a critic. And we come in and we kind of see what's going on, but we're not really participating in anything. We're just kind of like in a theater or watching a sport, you know, on TV. We're just watching, not participating. And I think that 1 Corinthians 12 wants to address that issue that the church is not meant to be a spectator sport or a theater. It's meant to be thorough, thorough participation by all members in the body of Christ. So that's what we're going to look at today. So I, I'm going to break this, try and break it into to two halves here in chapter 12. Uh, talking about the gifts of God in 1 through 11, and talking about unity in the Christ in 12 through 31. And uh, it's, I'm going to move kind of quick, especially in the second half of this sermon, because uh, it's a lot. But uh, you're going to see that the, the main point here is very, really very simple and easy to understand. So why don't we go through and we'll read the chapter together, and uh, then I'll pray and we'll, we'll get started. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that nobody, I'm sorry, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, it is given the word of wisdom for the, from, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, workings of miracles. Another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all, members, all the members of that one body being one are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
If the whole body were an eye, where, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Now I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if, the mem- if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. All right, let's pray. Father, I know that this passage is, is very big, and we, you know, we don't have a lot of time to go through it, so it's going to be kind of quick. Just ask, Lord, that your Spirit would come and fill each one of us and open our hearts, open our minds, give us ears to, to hear so that we would be able to understand the main point here and be able to apply it to our lives. And I pray that the words coming from my mouth would be directly from you, that you would just guide everything, and that we would be able to minister to everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I feel like I'm talking a thousand miles an hour, but got to get through this. Um, okay, so we're looking at this first section, verses 1 through 11. He's going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. He starts off looking at verses 1 through 3. He says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, what is he saying here? He, he wants to teach them about spiritual gifts. But he needs to start off by giving them the solid foundation about where spiritual gifts come from. And he's basically saying here, guys, you, you, Gent- you Corinthians, you used to be idol worshipers. You didn't understand the ways of God. You know, you were contrary to the ways of God, in fact. But something happened. You were born again according to the Spirit of God. And we see all throughout the Bible, especially in the books of Paul, I think almost every single letter he writes, he talks about how the Spirit of God dwells inside of us when we believe in Jesus Christ. And what he's trying to remind them is, now things have been different, the Holy Spirit has been given to you, and that is the basis of all your spiritual gifts. Okay, And so he says the only way that someone can make a true confession of faith in Jesus Christ is through the Spirit of God. So, He says, if you today have made a true confession of faith in Jesus Christ, then you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, and it's going to have some implications, okay? We'll get to those in a minute, okay? Look at verse 4 through 6. He says, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, okay? So, 
talks about how there are different gifts given to all the believers. He says there are different ministries amongst the believers. There's different activities inside those ministries. Now, we're not going to get in real detail, like I said, but in general, he's saying that all ministry, all gifts, it all comes from God, okay? It's all from God, okay? So when we look at ministry, we, we look at the church, right? There's so many different ministries that people can be involved in, right? Say you have a gift of teaching. Well, there's only going to be typically one person up here every Sunday teaching. So if we have several teachers, how are we going to do that? Well, we have community groups. People have opportunity to teach there. Some people serve in the high school or junior high. They have an opportunity to teach there. Some do children's ministry, opportunity to teach there. Uh, when I was here uh, back in 2004, I was doing a Bible study at the juvenile hall. That was a way to teach there, you know? So there's different ministries, even though we all have the same gift, p- people who are teachers. Now, some of you, you guys have an opportunity to get involved in those same ministries, even though you don't have the gift of teaching, right? Maybe you have the gift of helps, and you just want to make sure that everything's good and everything's ready for the person to get up and teach, right? Maybe you have the gift of encouragement, and you're saying, well, I just want to come and encourage the people that are there hearing the message and help them to apply it to their lives. Awesome. You know, every ministry out there has a need for every spiritual gift, and all of those things, all those different diversities, they all come from God. Okay, that's his point. Okay, verse seven. And pay attention because this is one of the key verses in this chapter. He says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, so he says, the manifestation of the spirit, which is your spiritual gift given to you, it's given to every single Christian who has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Okay, every single one of us here who is born again, we all have gifts. God has given them to us, okay? Now, some of you might not know what your gift is, or maybe you feel like your gift really isn't important, but that's not true. God has given you a gift, and if you don't know, we, we're gonna talk about that. We need to seek the Lord and find out what that is. But God has given each one of us a gift in order that we would have a way to minister to one another. And he says the gifts that were given were given for the profit of all. So it's not like, you know, when you're a kid, you get a Christmas present. I mean, I have... Uh, a niece and a nephew, they're so funny. They're, they're, he's, one's almost six, and the other one just turned four. And, man, they fight about everything, you know? And they're like, no, that's mine, that's mine, you know? And they're like, ah, and it's like, God, can't you guys get along for five minutes? Because um, everything is like, it's really possessive, you know? That's not the way the gifts are, you know? You get a gift at Christmas, you're like, this is mine. I don't want to share it. I don't want other people to use it. God gives you gifts so that you can share it. He says, yeah, I'm giving you this. Now use it so that everyone else can be blessed, not just you. Okay? And I, I promise you, you will be blessed as well, but it's for the profit of the body of Christ as a whole. Um, he goes through here now in verse 8 through 10, and he describes some of the gifts, just a few of them, of some of the gifts that God could give you. Take a look. He says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues or languages, to another the interpretation of tongues, right? So here are just a few of the gifts that are given that you could possibly have. And notice that none of these, none of it does it talk about being a pastor, being up front, being a worship leader, none of the things that we typically think about. These are the gifts that that we don't see as much, you know? But these are still gifts that we believe are still used today. I think Sometimes the problem is, is that we kind of get this mentality, like I said, a, a spectator sport, that it's like, if you're going to be doing ministry, 
you're going to be a pastor up front, or you're going to be a worship leader, or maybe you can do something with like the kids' children's ministry, right? And that's really basically it, right? And since I don't do that, you know, that's kind of their job, and I'll just kind of come in. I do church, come, hear a sermon, you know, be my critic, figure out what he's saying, you know, learn something new. Oh, that's cool, and then go off to lunch, right? But that's not the purpose of the body of Christ. That's not God's intention. He said that he wants to give gifts to every single one of us in order that every single one of us can be used in the ministry. Every single one of us. So that when we come to church, it's not a mentality of like, well, I'm coming to watch this show. I'm coming to to see what new thing they can teach me. It's coming in and saying, okay, how does God want to use me, just a normal person, today on Sunday? How does he want to use me? You know, sometimes you come to church and maybe you, you read a cool passage that morning or maybe that week, and you just like, man, this verse was so encouraging to me, and you can just share that with people. You know, that's, that's being used by God to encourage other people. Or maybe you read something that was like this major exhortation talking about prayer, and you're thinking, man, we're not praying enough. We, we should get together and pray. And you come in, you start sharing that exhortation with other people. That's being used by God, Right? Maybe, maybe you just have this incredible faith like it talks about here in verse 9, the gift of faith that you just see things so, like God is so big, he can do so many things and you just have this vision of the great things that we could be doing and you come in and you share that and it just stirs people up to want to get more involved in the ministry and more involved in the church. All these things are here to be used at the body of Christ. These are things that we can use here on Sundays or other opportunities. Maybe if you're involved in a community group, that's, a, that's an even better way to use it because it's kind of a smaller group to get to know people more intimately. But the point is the same. All the gifts were given to all of us, every single one of us who are born again, and it's for us to use for the profit of everybody, not just for ourselves, right? Okay, one more verse in the section. This is also a very key verse, so pay attention. Verse 11 He says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so he repeats the same thing. It's the same spirit that gives all these gifts, okay? The spirit. That means it doesn't come from us. It comes from him. And he gave it, distributing individually as he wills. Okay, now, what happens is sometimes, you know, the, the people who are up front, the, the worship leaders, the pastors, they're the ones that kind of get all the attention, kind of get a little more glory than other people, right? And so a lot of times you see like, especially young guys are like, man, I want to be a teacher. I want to be up there, be up front, you know? And it, it's kind of like a, a thing that can be uh, a little bit egotistical. It can be something that, you know, teacher, I want to be up front. I want to I show what, I, what I'm made of. And sometimes you even have people who want to get up front who don't have a gift of teaching, right? And I don't know if you've ever heard somebody that doesn't have a gift of teaching teach, but it can be quite painful, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you guys, you know, if you guys ever had somebody put their fingernails on a chalkboard, just rub it down, it's like that. And you're like, oh, stop. That's how I feel sometimes when people get up front that don't have the gift of teaching. You're just like, oh, man, you know, just, it's, not, it's not for you, you know? Certain people are called to do this. Other people are not. They're called to do something different. And I'll tell you what. I am not called to work with junior high kids, but there are some people in here who are called to work with junior high kids. And you talk to me, hey, Tom, go work with the junior high kids. I'd be like, I think my face would go white. I'd be like, oh, God, junior high, can't handle that. But other people, they're like, oh, dude, you're such a wimp. Junior high is awesome. Let's go. You know? Great. Go there, you know? So each person has a different calling. Each person has a different gifting to use. So we just need to follow because God said it was according to his will that he gave to each one of us. Okay? We need to figure out what God has called us to do, and that's what we need to do. 
Okay, so now, we, we go through this first section kind of fast. I want to give us kind of a review because there's four main points here that I think are really important for us to think about, okay? Four main points from this first section. The first one is all gifts come from God, not from us, right? That's what we just talked about. It's from the will of God, right? So he gives us the gifts. We don't have to manifest it. I don't have to go home and say, well, you know, I'd really like to be a prophet. That sounds like really sick. I could just prophesy these cool things like, thus saith the Lord, and so I'm going to go home, and I'm going to start practicing. You know, I'll get my dog and sit him there and just be like, thus saith the Lord, and like prophesy at him, you know? That's, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. You don't do that. It's a gift that's given. If you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. You don't need to try to be something that you're not, okay? It comes from his will, not ours, okay? Now, another point with that is that if you have a gift that you think, oh, this gift's really cool, you know? Like when I was, I remember when I was in college, I... I thought being a teacher was just the awesomest thing. I just, oh man, I can't wait to be up front. I can't wait to teach. But it was, I really struggled with a lot of pride. And I, I just wanted to be like the best teacher. I was like, I'm gonna be better than that guy. Oh, that guy's terrible. I'm so much better than him. And, and Paul gives us a warning about this back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse seven. He says this. He says, for who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did receive, indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So he's just reminding us, hey, it's a, it's a gift from God. It's not something that you earned. It's not something that you achieved some super, some super spiritual level. It's something that God gave to you, okay? So first point, all gifts come from God, not from us. Second point, gifts are given to all Christians, like we already said, right? Every single one of us who is born again, who has the Holy Spirit inside of us, we all have a spiritual gift, and what happens is sometimes we find people, and I found people that have been Christians for 15, 20 years, and they have no idea what their spiritual gift is, okay? That's a problem, really, that is, because our spiritual gift is going to dictate how we serve the body of Christ, right? If I'm a teacher and I'm trying to do something that's not within my realm of gifting, then I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be really successful and God's not going to be glorified. But if I'm going to use my gift for God's glory, it's going to magnify God's glory to the church and to the rest of the world, right? So we need to keep this in mind. They're given to all Christians. And for those of us who aren't sure exactly what our gift is, then we need to do some real searching. And I, I really want to encourage you guys, if you don't know what your gift is, no matter how long you've been a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a week or if you've been a Christian for 25 years, I think that this week would be a good time to start just really praying, fasting, and seeking God to ask him, Lord, what is my gift? And if you feel like, I, I really don't have one, just ask him to give it to you. Start praying for that so that you would know exactly what it is. Because like I said, that's going to dictate how you serve the body of Christ. Imagine somebody having uh, some sort of gift like... Um, I don't know, working miracles or healing or something like that, but they don't know it, you know? They don't know it. What are they doing? They're not healing people, but that's what God intended them to be doing, you know? And so I think a lot of times we have too many people who are sick, too many people who are hurting physically, and they're not being healed because we have some people who might have the gift of healing that aren't actually using it. They don't even know that they have that, right? But we really believe that that is a gift that is still used today, and I've actually seen it in work. So um, all gifts... Gifts have been given to all Christians. All Christians have them. Third point, it's, um, it's given according to his will, not ours, uh, which is kind of a repeating of the first one, that gifts come from God. Um, but it's just to reemphasize that it's according to his will. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for every single one of us. And sometimes we, especially, especially for those of us, you know, who are, you guys who are in college or you're getting close to the end of college, 
college teaches you, man, you got to have goals, you got to have a plan, you got to strategize, you know, find out what's going to be best. And you go through and you start thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this with my life. And you, you have it all figured out, you know? When I was in college, uh, I, was, I started off as a journalism major. I ended up switching, but I started off as journalism. And this was my plan. I, I, back in the day, I was, I was really into surfing. And so I thought, I'm going to go be a journalism major, right? Live in the Central Coast, surf. And then I'm going to go get a job for Surfer Mag. And I'm going to travel around the world surfing, writing about surfing. I was like, how great would that be, right? Travel around the world surfing and get to write about it, you know? And I was like, I, I don't know if I could imagine a better job for me. Uh, but that's not what God had. God did have a plan for me to travel around the world, um, but he wanted me to be a missionary and talk to people about Jesus. I actually, I haven't surfed since I was probably back in 2005, you know? <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, but God knows what's best for us. And I'll tell you what, God's plans are a lot better than ours. And, and there, there's gonna be a lot more joy, a lot more fulfillment when we follow those. So our job is just to figure out what he's gifted us as and use that to follow out his plan, right? Um, last point, the fourth one, and this is maybe the most important. The gifts have been given for the benefit of all, right? For all the body of Christ. It's not for us. It's for the benefit of the body. Okay, now, I want to talk about this more in depth. If you guys will turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. It's just a couple books after 1 Corinthians. Ephesians chapter 4. It's got a passage that talks about it. It's just, I think it's just perfect to, to make it a little more clear. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to skip a couple verses, but we're going to start off in 7 and 8, verse 7 and 8. It says, verse 7, Ephesians 4, verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Okay, so talking about the grace that has been given to us through Jesus, that he gave us all gifts, right? I'm going to actually skip verse 9 and 10 because it's, we don't have time. It's kind of complicated. Jump down to 11 and 12. And it says, and he himself, talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, so talks about how he gave some of these gifts, and, and some theologians like to look at this passage in, in Ephesians 4 and say, oh, these are leadership gifts, and that's fine. Um, and he says, these leadership gifts have been given for a specific reason. What is that reason? It says, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, now, you guys should know that all of us who are Christians, we are saints. It's not like the, the Catholic idea of saints that, you know, if you do some miracle and you're this super Christian, then you're a saint. The Bible says that everyone who's a Christian is a saint. So he's saying that these leaders have been given their gifts to equip the saints, all the believers in the church. They're meant to be equipped for what? To do the work of the ministry. Okay? Now, it's not meaning that, okay, we're equipping you so that you can be up here and be a pastor someday. No, that you could be used according to your gift to strengthen the body of Christ, right? And it says that that's going to happen at the very end of verse 12 for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. So our purpose in receiving a gift is to use our gifts on one another in order to strengthen up the body of Christ. And we talk here about one of the missions of the church is to reach out to a lost and hurting and dying world around us to let them know about the grace of Jesus Christ that has been given to them, 
But that's not the only purpose of the church. One of the purposes of the church is to build itself up in order that the church would be strong and healthy, that when we do reach out, we're more effective, and that when we bring people in, they can come into a strong and loving community to receive them. You can imagine if all we did is outreach and that we didn't build the body of Christ up, people would come in and it would be un... uh, Sorry, my mind just went blank on the word. Uh, We wouldn't be able to receive them uh, in order to, to minister to their needs. So we have kind of a twofold mission to build ourselves up here to strengthen us so that we can reach out and reach out to the people out there. That's what he's saying here. And I want to give you one more verse. Jump down to verse 16 in Ephesians 4 because it's really good too. Verse 15 talks about how Jesus is, Jesus is the head of the body. And then he continues verse 16. He says, from whom, talking about Jesus, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which Every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Okay? So he says every part is meant to do its share. Every part is meant to minister in order that the body would be edified, would be strengthened and built up in love. Isn't that cool? That's why God has us here, you know? Um, You guys might have heard this before, but, uh, you know, God loves us so much that he really wants to be with us. I mean, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He came to free us from our sins. He came to to give us eternal life in heaven for the rest of eternity, right? And he he loves us so much, he wants to be with us that he actually puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. And he's just waiting for the day that we would be either raptured up or or go finish our, our life here and go be with him. Now, the question is, if he wants to be with us so bad, why doesn't he just take us right now? Why, why do I have to suffer through some of the lame things that are in this world, right? Why do I have to deal with disease and sickness and friends dying and things like that? Why, why do I have to deal with that? Because God has a purpose for each one of us. God has a purpose for our lives. And so he's saying, I have you here because I'm not done with you. I want you to minister to other people and be used to glorify my name here on earth. That's why you're still here. So how do we do that? We use our spiritual gifts so like I said, every part doing its share to minister to one another, build up the body of Christ, and hopefully reach out and extend the kingdom of God to all the world. That's why we're still here. So that's the real purpose of why we have spiritual gifts. And I know that sometimes spiritual gifts get kind of weird, like people start speaking in tongues or people start prophesying weird things, and you're like, dude, this is weird. I'm not into this, you know. Like, I just want to go to church, you know, and hear a good sermon, you know. I, wasn't in, I didn't sign up for this thing. But it's not meant to be a weird thing. It's meant to be people just coming and having a little gift, having a word to share with someone else, and just coming and kind of ministering amongst ourselves as we come so that the body of Christ would be strengthened, right? Okay. So back to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to go through this second section, which talks about unity in Christ. And this section, we're going to go through really fast because it's kind of long. We don't have a lot of time. But you're going to see that there's a lot of verses saying the same thing, that, that, that unity in Christ is the main theme here. Okay, so let's take a look. Look at verse 12 through 14. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. 
For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Okay? So he's just saying we're all meant to come together to be unified. It's not like, oh, well, you know, that guy over there, he's from, you know, a different state, and we're from California, so, you know, we're not really together, you know, or, you know, this guy over here, he grew up in a different socioeconomic background, so he's kind of different, or maybe that guy, he has an ancestry that's different than mine, so, you know, we're kind of separated, you know? Down, down in Brazil, one of the cool things is that, you know, as a, as a people in general, they tend to be a little bit more unified than us. They don't have the, the intense racism that we have, um, Although I'm not saying that here in San Luis Obispo we have racism, but in general, they don't have the, the racism that we experience. And so you see people in, in Brazil, especially in um, Curitiba, the city that we're in now, you see people who are super white, whiter than me, if you can imagine that, blonde hair, blue eyes, and you're like, dude, that guy's a gringo, you know? And you go up and the guy speaks only Portuguese, you know? And you're like, wow. And then you see this other guy, and he's from an African descent, and so he's, he's black, and he looks like he's African-American, and he comes down, he's speaking perfect Portuguese, no English. And you're like, wait a minute, wow, that's weird. And then you see people who are brown and all shades in between, and they're all one. They all live in the same city. They don't have this like, oh, that's, an, that's a Hispanic neighborhood, or that's a white neighborhood. They don't have that idea. And they think like, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong with you Americans? Why do you guys have different, different you know, neighborhoods for people? It's kind of strange, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is, it is kind of strange. Well, with all that going on, the body of Christ is meant to be the unifying factor, that it doesn't matter if you're, like it says, a Jew or Greek, if you're slave or free, doesn't matter what eco- socioeconomic background you come from, we're all one in Christ. We're all part of the body. We're all different members of Jesus, okay? Continue on. Look at verse 15 through 17. He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If it was whole, the whole was hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Okay, so it, has, it makes kind of this, it's kind of comical little analogy here. And it's like, you know, the different body parts are like kind of like jealous of one another or fighting amongst each other, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the ears like, well, I, I can't see, so I'm worthless, you know, and it's like, wait, what? No, you need an ear, you need an eye, you need them both, you know? You can imagine, you know, different body parts fighting, like, you know, like my foot is like jealous of my hand and like, man, the hand gets to do so much and I'm always in the shoe, this is so lame, you know? <laughs> That's not how it works. You know, I need my feet. I need both of them. They get me around. They take me to different places, right? I'm able to play sports sometimes with them, you know, maybe kick a soccer ball or something, you know. I don't do that too much. But, um, but my hands, they have a totally different function, you know. They're going to reach out to people. They're going to greet people. They're going to write. They're going to do certain things, you know. Both of them have an equally important but totally different job, Okay. And so it's like each part of the body is meant to come together to do its share, okay? Continue on, verses 18 and 19. He says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if we are all one member, where would the body be, okay? So he's kind of saying, God made you the way that he did in order to do a certain job that someone else cannot do. You know, you are a necessary part of the body of Christ. And there's things that Brian and James, they can't do that you are meant to do, that you are gifted to do that they're not, you know? And so it's like we're all working together according to how God pleased. So it kind of repeats that idea that we saw in verse 7 and verse 11, saying it's all about the will of God, right? And so he's actually here, we're going to see in the next couple of verses, He's going to go through, he's really celebrating the diversity of the body of Christ. We're not meant to be all the same. We're meant to be different, and it's supposed to be a good thing. So take a look here. Look at verse 
um, 20 through 22. He says, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Okay, so again, he has this thing, you know, like the eye, you know, hey, hand, get out of here. Uh, The head saying to the feet, you know, I don't need you. I'm so much better. You know, I'm a central for everything controlling. You know, that's not how it works. Every part needs the other parts, you know. And um, you can imagine what life would be like, you know, if you were missing a limb. I I bet it would be really difficult. It would be a huge adjustment for you to be able to get through that, you know. If you've ever had, you know, a broken leg or, you know, some sort of surgery or anything. I I had surgery on my shoulder trying to play football, actually. Um, uh, I dislocated my shoulder several times. I had to have a surgery, you know, and it's like it changes your whole life just having one arm in a sling. I mean, it was like a nightmare, you know. Imagine trying to go to a bathroom with one arm, you know, it can be kind of tough, right? It changes everything that you do. So what he's saying is all these members, they're all necessary. And some of them that you think are, oh, that's not really important. It actually is very important. Um, I had a doctor tell me that I had my tonsils taken out back in, in high school and uh, this, this one doctor was like, yeah, I actually don't agree with that. I don't like pulling out the tonsils, you know. Um, they actually are the last line of defense when you have an infection. And so when you have that, the infection goes to different places, you know, and it can cause problems. And I was like, huh, never heard that when I was having surgery on it, you know. So each part does have its function, you know. Okay, continue on, uh, verse 23 through 25. It says, in those members of the body, which we think are less honorable... And these we best- on these we bestow greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Okay, so he talks about this idea of less honorable parts or unpresentable parts, and you know, you can go through and, oh, what is a less honorable part? Maybe a foot would be less honorable. I don't know. What is an unpresentable part? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and where would that be in the body of Christ? Who would be like an unpresentable part? You know, I, I don't know exactly. <clears throat> but I could imagine that maybe the people who are behind the scenes doing things, the, the people that nobody knows about, that maybe come in here early and set up everything, or the people who are just at the prayer meetings every week and they're praying for the pastor and for the church, those are the people that nobody knows about. Maybe those are the ones that are unpresentable or less honorable. But the, the cool thing is that it says that God composed the body having given greater honor to the parts that lack it. So like for a, for a pastor, for a teacher, we come up here and we get a lot of honor because we're in front and we're, we're visible. But there are other people who aren't visible. And it says that God actually gives greater honor to those parts that are less honorable. So there's actually, you can imagine going up into heaven and seeing the treasures that everyone has up there, you know, the, the good works that we earned, the, the good works that we did and the treasures that we earned. And then seeing, you know, some little old lady up there just with like the most treasure of anyone. And it was like, whoa, what did she do? She just prayed. That's it. She prayed for the pastor. She prayed for missionaries. She prayed for the world to be, lo- to be reached. You know, it's just like this amazing prayer warrior, and she was getting more honor because she had this unpresentable or less honorable part. So God is not unjust. God has given each one of us a gift, and he's going to honor each one of us according to that. So it's really cool to think about. Um, and the neat thing is, he, he really talks about in verse 25 how there, he did that so that there'd be no division in the body of Christ. You know, we don't want to have jealousy. We don't want to have issues of like, 
you know, me thinking, oh, well, I'm a better teacher than that guy or someone else being like, what's that guy doing that for? I'd be so much better than him. You know, that's where we start getting like cancer in the body of Christ. Division is like cancer. People start to separate because of pride or different issues. We don't want that. We just want to have love and have community uh, being unified. Okay, verse 26 and 27. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So he has this, this cool idea that we come together, we get to suffer with one another, we get to be honored with one another, rejoice with one another, you know, that idea of unity. Um, it's really cool because what is meant to be the body of Christ is not just coming to hear a sermon, not just coming to worship and hear some really good music. It's meant to come together to interact and connect with one another in our lives, that we would have a community of believers to really love one another, to, to be able to speak into someone's lives. So maybe someone's going through someone through something very difficult. And because you know them, because you interact with them, you have that opportunity to go home and say, hey, man, how's that thing going? How was it, you know, with your mom going through cancer? How, how are you feeling about that? And you can minister to that person. You can pray for that person. That's using your gifts, and that's ministering within the body of Christ. Maybe someone else just had some awesome thing happen. They got a new job, or maybe they did something cool, like they, they went out and shared, you know, Jesus with somebody, and, and, this, and their friend received Jesus, and you're like, wow, you know, you just helped your friend get to know Jesus. So awesome. They're rejoicing. You get to rejoice with them, like, awesome. We're, hey, we're all rejoicing together, and it, it creates that unity that we're all one. We're all together. So never meant to be a division in the body of Christ. Everyone to be the individual parts together as a sum. Okay, verse 28. We're almost at the end. It says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Okay, so he lists off some more of the gifts here. I, I, we're not going to get into why he has first, second, third, and all that stuff. Um, but the point is you can see some of the different gifts that you could potentially have, right? It doesn't have all of them here in 1 Corinthians 12, um, but it gives a, a good list of them. You can also check out Romans 12 if you want to, or you know, we saw Ephesians 4, and there's some other passages that randomly have gifts. But you can see that there's a lot of gifts. Like, here's a great one, the gift of administration, right? Man, every church in the whole world needs like four or five of those people, you know, to keep things organized. You know, you get, sometimes we get these pastors, and they're these visionaries. They got this big picture, and then they leave like kind of a mess of administrative stuff. They need someone that's behind them to support them and organize their mess, right? Um, maybe, maybe there's a way that some of you guys have the gift of administration that you could come in and help with one little aspect in administration within this church, you know? That would be a great way to serve, you know? But you can see that there's a lot of different gifts that are out there that we can use, okay? Now, 29 and 30, he asks these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, okay? Now, it's a rhetorical question. Obviously, it's no. We're, we're celebrating diversity. We're talking about how everyone's different, but we all come together as one. So, of course, not all are apostles. There's no way. Not all are prophets. Not all are teachers, right? So he's saying the diversity is good that we come together that we're different. If we were all the same, it would be a mess, okay? Now, side note on this verse. There are some, some teachers out there, some churches out there that will teach a kind of a strange doctrine, I think, uh, that talk about that it this, the way that you know that if you have the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues, okay? Um, I, I don't think that everybody speaks in tongues, and I think that this passage is a great proof text for that. You know, we're going through and you say, are, are all apostles? No, of course not. Are all prophets? No. Do all speak in tongues? No, right? 
But they will say, no, if you don't speak in tongues, it means you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you cannot serve in the church. And I actually know people that are experiencing this that are part of churches like that, and they just feel such condemnation. They're just like, man, why won't God let me speak in tongues? Why can't I serve in the ministry? And it's like, man, you, you can get out of that church, you know? But in order to come up with that interpretation, you would have to change this passage. You'd say, are all apostles? Yes. Are all prophets? Yes. Are all teachers? Yes. Do all speak in tongues? Yes. You know? You can't say yes to all that. It doesn't make any sense, right? Or you'd have to go through and interpret it. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No way. Teachers? No. Do all speak in tongues? Yes. Like, wait, that's not consistent, right? So I think this is a good proof text that, you know, you don't need to speak in tongues to be a Christian. It's kind of a, an interesting gift, you know? Um, but people do speak in tongues, you know? Anyway, um, the point here is very simple. The diversity in the body of Christ is really good. It's something that we should celebrate and that we should come together and use that diversity to strengthen one another and create unity through it. Okay, last verse, verse 31. He says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Okay, now, verse 31 is kind of connecting with the next two chapters, verse 13 and four, chapter 13 and 14. When he talks about, I'll show you the more excellent way, he leads right into chapter 13, which is the famous chapter on love, right? He says, you can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, it's no good. So the most excellent way is to have love and then use your gifts through love, right? And remember, Ephesians 4 talked about that when we were going through. It said that every part would be doing its share for the edifying of the body, of its, the edifying of itself in love, right? You cannot forget the love part. Okay, also when he talks about eagerly desire earnestly desire the best gifts. It's like, well, what, what are the best gifts? Like, do I have a, a lousy gift? Like, what's that? And he talks about in, verse, in chapter 14 that he was just saying, the gifts that build up the body of Christ more are better than the ones that don't. And he talks about the difference between prophecy and tongues. And he says, if you have the gift of prophecy, you can speak to everybody and they can be built up. But if you have the gift of tongues, you can speak. If there's no one to interpret, nobody knows what the heck you're saying, you know? So, that, so the prophecy would be a better gift. That's what he's getting at. So, the point here is real simple, right? We've all been given gifts by God according to his will, and he gave it to us so that we would serve the body of Christ better, whether it be here on Sundays coming in and saying, hey, how can I be used here? Or whether you guys are involved in some sort of community group here with Calvary Slow. They have a ton of, Cal a ton of community groups that you can be involved in. That would be a great place to use your gifts. Um, either way, there needs to be you guys using your gifts, we can't have this thing uh, where there's a statistic that I don't even know if it's real, um, but it, it seems real, that they say that 10% of the people in the church do 90% of the work, right? And that means that the vast majority, 90% of the people, are only doing a little bit of serving. That's it. But that's not what God has intended. And I'm not coming in to say, hey, you guys need to be here. You need to set up the chairs. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you guys need to figure out what your gifts are whether it be a, a word of prophecy or coming in to, to share an encouraging word or to share an exhortation with somebody, whatever it is, that you would be willing to come in on Sundays and ready to use that gift. That you would say, hey, well, we're going to come to church. There's going to be all these people here. How can I be used here to bless somebody else? Or that you would look in and say, hey, yeah, I want to be used on Sundays, but I also would like to be used in my community group. That would be a great option. And I could go there and maybe use my gift there to help build up the body of Christ there on a little smaller group level. The point is, we're meant to be used by God. If he didn't want to use you, he'd take you out of here. He'd, he'd cut off your life, and you'd be done, and you'd go be with him, you know? But he wants you. That's why you're still here. He wants to use you.
okay? Um, right now, what I, what I want to do is we're, we're just going to pray, and we want to respond to what we've learned today with worship, right? And so I um, just want to pray for any of you guys who maybe you're a person who's like, yeah, I know what my gift is, but I'm not really using it. I don't know how to use it here in Calvary, slow, um, or in my community group. I'm just not sure. I want to pray for you that God would reveal to you how it is that you can use your gift better for the benefit of the body of Christ. I also want to pray for you guys who don't know what your gift is. Maybe you're like, I, I really have no idea what my gift is. No problem. But let's start to seek the Lord that he would reveal that to you and that you would be able to realize, okay, I have this gift, so then I need to find a way to use that in the body of Christ to bless other people around me, okay? So let's, let's pray, and then we can worship the Lord a little more in depth. Father, we, we thank you for this passage. I, I know that the, the Corinthians had a different situation that Paul was addressing, but many of the same truths hold true for us today in America and especially here in Calvary Slow. We want to be a church, Lord, that, that blesses you and blesses the body of Christ around us through our gifts. So, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon people here, that you would, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to them the way to use their gift and what their gifts are if they're not sure. And I pray that the people would, would really have a sense of urgency who don't know what their gifts are to, to fast, to pray, to seek you in order to, to learn what it is so that they can better serve the body of Christ. Lord, we, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for the things that he wrote. And we just ask that you would help this body to grow together in unity, like he said, and to, to, to be strengthened. Lord, please use Calvary Slow here. In Jesus' name, amen.